Hello and welcome to the Village Church Podcast. My name is John and we are glad to have you join us. We work to deliver our most recent preaching content to you as soon as possible, so let's get into God's Word together. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. If you have a Bible with you this morning. If you don't have a Bible, please take one. There should be some on the table back there. Kids' Bibles too. If you've got a young person or a person in your life that needs a Bible for Christmas, take the best gift you can give, wrap it up, and give it to someone for Christmas. What a, what a treasure God's Word is. I pray that you treasure God's Word. I pray that you read it, that you study it. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, we are still in the greater context of verses 26 through 40, but as you can see on the screen behind me, I have put in parentheses 33 B, which is the second half of the verse, through 35. Working through Paul's admonishing of the Corinthian church, remember that their conduct in chapters 1 through 10, their conduct in the world was not Christ-like. They were failing in their Christian witness and in their testimony, their conduct was off. Remember that the Corinthian church was a messed up church full of messed up people, just like us and every other church that has ever existed. Paul has been admonishing their conduct, but as he moved out of their conduct in the world, he moved into their conduct in the church. And we've moved out even of Paul's admonishing their conduct within the church. So he has spoken to, you've been doing this in the world and you need to do this in the world. And then he stepped in the church, you've been doing this in the church, but you need to do this in the church. And then he steps in at the end of chapter 14 and introduces God's design for order. And I want to be careful, God's design for order in the Corinthian church that we draw principles from for the village church. Right? Because this letter was written to the church at Corinth, which we are not, but we draw truths from God's word. He has one meaning with many applications, so we seek one meaning from God's word to apply it to our church. We're going to talk more about that a little bit today. Have examined Paul's instructions through verse 40, 1 Corinthians 14, 26 through 40. He gave them instructions, and now today we are returning to the middle of this passage because I told you last week we could not bring up the damage that has been done to women in the church through the mishandling, and I am bold enough to say biblical negligence on the part of pastors and teachers for a long time. Perhaps you have been affected by this, perhaps you have not, and this is simply instructional, then then praise God for that. But I know that men, I, I want to hope, seeking to safeguard and use the Bible well, have turned to the right and to the left, and have left the instruction of God's word as concerns how we are to interact men and women in the church. And why would we bring up women specifically? Because... It's precisely what Paul does. And I hope that through today's examination of the scripture, I pray that it will not be as heavy of a sermon as it has been to prepare thinking about. But our culture is so supercharged on gender issues, I think that's perhaps why it's been so heavy on me. Because now I'm trying to articulate God's word for us to understand better how God would have us live as Christians in a culture that is supercharged 
sexually as far as genders are concerned. And so I understand that there's the potential for a great tension between our culture today and the truth of God's word. And I am most happy to stand in between those two with God's word. So uh, let's read 1 Corinthians. I want to read uh, 26 through 40 and then we'll focus in here a little bit. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26. What then, brothers? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent, for you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches. For they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home. For it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Or was it from you that the word of God came? Or are you the only ones it has reached? If any thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. So my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy, and do not forbid speaking in tongues. But all things should be done decently and in order. Would you pray with me? Lord, help us. We have already appealed to you this morning on the basis of our lack of knowledge, and we need your help. As we now step specifically into the study of your word and the examination of scriptures, help us, God, by the power of your spirit, according to the truth of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. We are going to zero in. Verse 33, the second part of the verse. You remember that when I use those lettered letters to denote reference, 33b, you'll remember that's just stanzas of verses. That's all that is. Like, man has done that. Uh, whether well, we believe that God allowed man to come up with a system that could help us reference and whatnot, but the Corinthians didn't have chapter and verse and stanzas and all that. They just had the letter of Paul. So they just read this letter, and I, I have to wonder what happened when all of a sudden whoever was reading, like, who's reading this? Who's reading this letter to the church at Corinth when all of a sudden they get to, as in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. I want you all to understand the tension that I am speaking through this morning. Because I have a real problem with churches that have abused this and that currently abuse it. So... I want to recognize before you as we preach that there is an element of my flesh that I am battling as I attempt to rightly articulate God's word to you. So I'm going to try to speak really calm and not yell. If I do yell, it's not at you. So I'm going to, I just, there's, I can't help it. I'm human. So here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33, we see in the middle of the chapter, or in the middle of the verse, as in all the churches of the saints. This phrase cannot be neglected as we begin considering 
Women in the Church. I titled the sermon just Women in the Church. I thought about women should be silent in the church, but you're going to understand as we work through this why I couldn't choose that as a subject, as a, as a sermon title. Just Women in the Church. Damage has been done here. We must first understand, as in all the churches of the saints. Do you understand this is not Paul writing to the Corinthian church and saying, in your church, Corinth, in all the churches of the saints, not one gathering, not one home, not one town, everywhere that groups of Christians gather in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to worship God, where a church is found in their context being planted all over Israel and, and the Palestine region and up into Asia Minor and over now he's writing to Corinth, which is down on like the, the weird kind of ish area where Greece is found. Like as he's writing this, churches are being planted everywhere. He says here, as in all the churches of the saints, he's drawing on, this isn't just a couple of churches that are doing this. This is everywhere. This is widespread, as in all the churches of the saints. We saw language like this, if you remember, back in chapter 11 on a closely related subject when we talked about the willing submission, willing relational submission of woman to man, man to God, and how Christ even exemplified this. It says that the head of every woman is man, the head of man is Christ, and the head of Christ is God. And so how that was exemplified all the way through from God on down, this willing relational submission. And in verse 16, Paul says, if anyone is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice, nor do the churches of God. So this is one reason when he says, as in all the churches of the saints, this is one reason that we today at the village church would look and consider this passage. How does it apply to us and what do we do with it? as in all the churches of the saints. So this isn't a one-time thing, but we have to navigate how does it apply to us and how did it apply to them. That's what I will attempt to expose this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 34. What in all the churches? As in all the churches, the women should keep silent in the churches. For they are not permitted to speak but should be in submission, as the law also says. Women should keep silent. How dare a Bible-believing human being, as we will see as we go on this morning, dare extract women be silent in church? You are neglecting and avoiding and Irrelevizing? That might be a word. Someone can check me later. You are making irrelevant all of what the scripture says on that topic. You've relegated it to one phrase in one verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Women should keep silent. Women aren't supposed to make a sound. So all of you ladies who came in here this morning, I'm glad you did, but how dare you say hello to me. Right? And I say that only to say what? That is the extent that some churches go with God's word, which is certainly to the right or to the left. Women should keep silent in the church. And look what he says at the end of verse 35. For it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. We must, in this morning's lesson, if last week was a bit academic, this morning maybe a little bit more. There is a way that we must read scripture. And the saying, 
that I'm happy to start hearing swirl within our own church body, Scripture interprets Scripture. We can look at commentaries and writers and and theologians and scholars throughout all of time. That's okay. But Scripture is the authority on Scripture. It is God's Word. God's Word is the authority on His Word. So what does God's Word say? Well, this morning we're going to look in this way, and it was fun because as I was working with the youth Sunday school this morning, I enjoyed that. I'm not sure they did, but I did. Uh, We were talking about how we study biblical text, and I know that even the adult Sunday school and even the kids on Wednesday night, and I would imagine the kids on Sunday morning have all been working through this. There is a way, there are many ways, but there is a way that is important to use the Scripture to interpret Scripture. So what do we do? We must always be looking at the text, the context, and the rest of Scripture. For those who like big words, this is a biblical hermeneutic. What does hermeneutic mean? Like, why do you have to use that word? I don't, I don't know because it sounds like something you should go to the doctor for. Every time I hear that word, I'm like, man, I, gotta, whew, I better call the doctor. I have hermeneutics flaring up. <clears throat> it, right? It's a funny word. It, it means this, a means of interpreting, a means of interpretation. How do you interpret? And we need to be very careful. That's why we would say biblical hermeneutic, because you can have fleshly, worldly, unbiblical interpretation of God's word. I can take my flesh and I can interpret God's word if I want to. If I do, please fire me. We must use biblical hermeneutics. They're like, can you give another example of this? Yes, one that helps me. If the Bible says something that enables my flesh, my way of interpreting the scripture is wrong because the Bible is always confronting my flesh and peeling away sin and the desires of the flesh and making provision for the flesh. And so when something in God's word say, I don't know, look, Jesus told the disciples they had a sword and it was good, means that I can say, I'm having as many guns and protecting myself as much as I want to. That is a fleshly hermeneutic, not a biblical hermeneutic. Do you understand? We'll keep moving. All right. Kind of classroom lecture setting this morning, and I'm not cut out for it, but here we go. We must look at text, context, and the rest of Scripture. Scripture, as we're going to talk about later, is a line, and we must stay on it. What is the specific text? Our specific text is verse 33b through 35. As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Specific context. Well, this doesn't give us a whole lot to go off, does it? If we stop there, women don't utter a sound when church is over. Just quietly get up and leave. If we stop there, that's what happens. Is everybody okay with that? Should we say amen and go home? Or am I going to get bum-rushed by all the women in the church being like, "Uh uh-uh, right, right. It's insulting. It confronts our flesh. Like, wait a second, what is happening here? Like, God of love and all this stuff, but all of a sudden women, what, what, what? Okay, this is what the specific text says. So now we need help. We need help understanding what these verses say. And we can come to this and think, well, pastor, that's not what the Bible teaches. Right. 
We understand that because we've been reading the Bible, hopefully, several of us for many years, and we understand the Bible speaks to this subject. Imagine the Corinthian church getting this and having nothing other than the first letter to the Corinthians, and that's all they have. All they have is Paul's letter to them saying, uh, your conduct in the world is not great, and your conduct in the church is even worse, while well, repent, and here is what order in the church looks like. By the way, women, be quiet, and moving on. That's what the Corinthian church got. We have, praise God, the whole counsel of God, and we must use it. So Biblical Hermeneutics 101, we use Scripture to interpret Scripture. Our understanding of God's Word comes from God's Word. The immediate context, specific context, is 1 Corinthians 14, through 35. And we don't have much help other than women just need to be quiet, so now we have to broaden our search. Now let's imagine we're the Corinthian church. Hard for us to do. We're so much better than them. We have nearly no struggle compared to them, so it's really hard for us to understand that that was a joke. You should have laughed, but nobody laughed, so that's not good. Let's imagine we're the Corinthian church, and this letter comes to us. What do we have to do? Wait a minute. What's Paul been saying to us? What has Paul been saying to us? Well, it says that women need to be quiet in the church. Paul, I'm sorry, did you say... Women need to be quiet in the church? Yes. Was well, that all women all the time, or what is that? What, and they're not asking Paul because he wrote a letter, so whoever wrote it, hey, hey, pay Bob the bricklayer. I got a question for you over here. Uh, I'm just curious, but is that all women? Or who can, and Phil the financial guy's like, I guess let's back up and read what he said. So we, we have to do the same thing that the Corinthians did. Specific context, women be quiet in the church. Immediate context, verse 26 through, I don't know, verse 31. Look what it says. What then, brothers? When you come together, pay attention, pay attention to the words. When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two, or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, so all may be encouraged, so that all may, be, so that all may learn and all be encouraged. Did everybody catch the gender specificity that just happened in those verses? Did everyone catch the men only speaking, and women can speak here, and, but not here? Did, did you catch all of that? No. What you caught were words like each one, any, someone, no one, each, others, another, all, all, all. In immediate context, Paul is saying nothing about what gender may or may not do, okay? Immediate context. Paul, what women? All women? Because you just gave us all these instructions and now we're really confused because, because that sister prays. Because that sister has prophesied. Oh, no, no, women didn't prophesy in the Corinthians. That didn't happen. Well, okay, so we've looked at specific context. Now we've looked at immediate context. And now we need to consider a broader context, which is still confined to the letter of 1 Corinthians. I will remind you that in 1 Corinthians specifically, chapter 11 through 14, Paul is speaking about the conduct of the Corinthians in the church gathering. The gathered church. 
Does anybody remember the topics that we've discovered over the last several weeks, discussed over the last several weeks from chapter 11 through to where we are in chapter 14? Let me help you. Who should have their heads covered and when? How do we take the Lord's Supper? Spiritual gifts, what are they and to whom are they given to? How do we handle spiritual gifts and how God works in you but works in me and those work together? We have considered that the Corinthian church was a church that lacked love, that they were not a loving church. Their gifts were being operated outside of love for one another. And then he steps into prophecy and speaking in tongues, which we understand biblically was a problem for the Corinthian church. They were using these, uh, uh, what was the word we heard? I think one commentary writer used the word ostentatious. These, these physical, outward, look-at-me kinds of acts and ways of operating within the church. Immediate context takes us 26 to 40. The broader context calls us to consider chapter 11 to the point that we're at now. And do you know when women were told not to speak prior to this verse? When their heads are uncovered and they are praying or prophesying. Nowhere in the broad context of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 through 14 are women ever condemned, are women ever excluded from the speaking gifts unless they are doing them improperly. What did he say back in chapter 11? Uh, if a wife should not cover her head, but every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. It's verse 5, chapter 11. So what's he saying? Well, then your head needs to be covered. And we talked about what that head covering means. We're not talking about women, get your veils out and let's wrap this thing up and wall like the Middle East. No. We're talking about willing relational submission back in chapter 11. But did you notice that as we studied that passage of scripture, absolutely nowhere does Paul say, by the way, those women that are praying and prophesying with their heads covered, good job, stop. He doesn't say it. Why? Because the Holy Spirit gives gifts to who? Believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, saved through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. How? As he determines. So now we're saying that God only gives these gifts to men, but God's word doesn't say that? Because if I say that women can't have some kind of utterance in the church, then I've got to be very gender specific and say that God's only talking to men. So ladies, I'm sorry. I don't know what you guys want to, I don't know what you gals want to do, but I really, I guess I don't know what God wrote to you. Do you understand how this snowballs out of control? All we did was look to the right a little bit. Women be quiet in churches. And the next thing, we're over here absolutely wholesale categorizing that women have no say whatsoever. And God's word doesn't say that. You can, I, I, I defy you. To find where the voice of woman is cut out, you're going to be, if that's your stand right here, right now, you will be shocked at what you find in the Bible. The immediate, the specific context didn't help us, so we moved out to look at the immediate context. And there's nothing there that says that women have to remain silent always. It's, no, it's not gender specific, only the, what then brothers, verse 26, when you come together, each man has a hymn, each man has a lesson, each man has a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. To be honest, I'm not even really sure why the women came, because God only does this among the men. 
what are, what are we saying? We're inserting man's thought and opinion on God's word. Now, there are some specifics that we are going to get to. I hope you don't think that I'm saying next week, sister so-and-so is going to come up here and preach because God's word won't let me do that. Immediate context, broader context, and now what? Now we have to consider the rest of Scripture. Right? What, what else does God's Word say? I want to remind us that our specific consideration right now is the church. So specifically in this moment, post the resurrection of Jesus Christ, post the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ into heaven, the church age, if you will, was inaugurated at the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ first time it's ever even uttered is by the Lord Jesus. Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell not prevail against it. Peter's confession. Matthew what? 16. What does the rest of scripture say concerning the church? Acts chapter 1 verse 13 and 14. This is the first church. I love to read about the first church. I, I love reading about the church in Acts. People say, oh if we could be like Acts, oh if we could be like, we can't. Because the church in Acts had some stuff that we just don't get. God has made it so. But in Acts chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, we find that first church, 120 disciples gathered in the upper room, devoted to prayer. And it says, devoted to prayer together with the women. Interesting. Interesting because if women are so excluded, why are we so clear to see them in the first church? So clearly. I think that we've got to pay attention to how the Bible talks about women in the church, how it references women. The disciples were gathered together. They were devoted to prayer. They were together with the women. One thing that we do not see, it is inferred only, it is not explicit in the text. It doesn't say that any were standing up and directing anything. It doesn't say what they were doing. It simply says they were together, devoted to prayer with the women. Acts chapter 21, verses 8 and 9. The guy's name is Philip the Evangelist. We know him uh, first in Acts chapter 6 because he's one of seven men who are chosen to be deacons in the first church-ish prototype, I guess if you want to say. They're like, we got a problem. The, 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 the Greek women aren't getting fed because of the Jew women and we got to do something. And Peter's like, get some men to take care of it because I'm supposed to preach and pray. And I don't have time to feed women, but they need to be fed, so let's do this. And it's amazing that as they come together and as these men and the church work together to solve this solution, the word of God says to us, and God's word continued to grow among them. P.S. When the parts of the church are all working together in one giant, godly designed mixer of parts working together, God's word works and builds and grows among his people. We see Philip first in Acts chapter 6. We see him then again in Acts chapter 8 when he baptizes Simon the sorcerer who's like, I want to be baptized, I believe. He's baptized and then Peter's like, dude, you're not saved. What are you doing? Get out of here. How can I buy this power? This power you guys have. I'm a, I'm a sorcerer and I have no, how can I buy it? Peter's like, get out of here. And, and then this story of Philip finds this Ethiopian man reading from the scroll of Isaiah. And he says to him beautiful words. Do you understand what you are reading? The Ethiopian eunuch, a servant to Candace, the queen, says, how can I unless someone helps me understand? How many people in your life may not understand what they're reading and you're not helping them? There's a gut check for us. Parents, 
Are you helping your children understand? Grandparents, are you helping your grandchildren? Are you helping your neighbors, your coworker, when they spell off about some biblical thing, are you helping them or are you just leaving them in the dark? Because I'm going to tell you right now, we all wonder how to do evangelism. When the Holy Spirit opens that door, take a jump off the high board. Like, oh, here comes the grapefruit. I'm going to hit it out. Just go for it. Like, the door's open. Step in. Oh, let me, let, me, let me help you. All throughout the Bible, can I explain to you? Can I share with you? Let me teach you. Philip the evangelist, by the time we get to Acts chapter 21, has four unmarried daughters. And Acts chapter 21 verse 8 and 9 says, his four unmarried daughters were prophesying. But they're not supposed to speak in the church. So we got to wrestle something down. The word of God shows us four unmarried women prophesying, and it's never condemned. It's not condemned in the Bible. Now we have something to wrestle down. Women aren't supposed to speak in the church, but there's four women prophesying who aren't condemned. And there were women in the room that were praying with all the other disciples. Continued with that, if we consider the New Testament and the church age, Romans chapter 16, verses 1 and 2, talks about this mysterious lady who no one really knows anything about. Her name is Phoebe, and Paul calls her a servant of the church at what? Centria, I think, is the church that says... To the church at Rome, when he writes to them, help her with whatever she needs. So what was, was Phoebe showing up at that church like, uh, I, um, I can't speak because I'm a woman. So but here's this letter from Paul who says that you're supposed to do whatever I need. How's, how do we reconcile that with man's view today where it's, man. <sighs> Romans 16, did I say Romans 1? Okay, Romans 16. Phoebe, a servant of the church, help her, Paul says. We don't know in what. We don't know with what. Says she's a servant of the church. I have looked into this woman over and over and over. You're not going to find anything else in the Bible about her. But then verse 6 of Romans chapter 16, Paul talks about a woman named Mary who, I quote the apostle, worked for you. So here's a servant in the church who's a woman, not told to be silent. She's working and serving like, I'm, I'm, Unless my understanding is wrong, a working servant somewhere has to have some kind of voice. I don't know how you're going to communicate. I don't know how you're going to help. I don't know, how you're going to, I don't know what you're going to do. Now we have women serving the church. We have women prophesying and not condemned. We have women praying and not condemned. Paul says at the end of verse 34 here, which is interesting, as the law also says. So we have been considering first the church age post-Christ. Specific context, immediate context, broader context, now the rest of scripture, but if we stick with only the church, we're confined, but then Paul brings the whole scope of scripture before us, as the law also says. So here's the deal. I'm not about to give you a rundown of every reference of woman in the Old Testament. You can do that for yourself, and you will be utterly astounded at how God uses women in the Old Testament. It's fantastic. There are prophetess women that are telling kings what to do left and right. It's crazy. Deborah is a judge for the nation of Israel. Esther is a queen who steps way out of line and she's honored. I'm not saying that these help us understand what women in the church do because the context is outside of that. What we can understand, however, is 
sisters in Christ, you are of value to the body of Christ. You cannot be marginalized and pushed to the side because man says, well, 1 Corinthians says, let the women be silent. Interesting. We have to consider the rest of Scripture, and I want to do so fairly. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 34 and 35 is not the only verse in the Bible that tells women to be quiet in the church. 1 Timothy, a letter written by Paul, an older man, to Timothy, a younger man. We speculate that there may be 40 and maybe 70 at this time, so it's not that idea of like uh, an adult and a youth just an older man and a younger man. And Timothy is a young pastor, church planter kind of guy. He spends time at a couple of different churches. It's interesting that in Paul's letter to 1 Timothy, a letter, by the way, 1 Timothy 3.15 tells us, that directs, quote, how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church. 1 Timothy is not just a letter from Paul to a young pastor. 1 Timothy is a letter from an apostle to the church. Because in 1 Timothy chapter 5, you can read crazy things about the care of widows that look nothing like what we have defined today. 1 Timothy is instructions to the church to help a young pastor in conducting the life of the church. And in 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 12, Paul writes, women are to remain quiet. Well, now we have to reconcile. What do we do now? The Bible has told us twice, women are to be quiet in the church. We see where there are women who are not quiet in the church, but they're not condemned. We see women who are not quiet and they are not condemned. So what do we draw from this? How do we understand this? Okay, we've got to go back to specific text. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 35 is key. And in order for me to tell women in the church that they must be silent, I have to ignore the following words all together. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 35. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home. Well, this is interesting. Because now, sandwiched between let women keep silent in the church, verse 34, and the end of verse 35, it is shameful for a woman to speak in the church. The start of verse 35 says... If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask. If there is something that a woman has to understand, let them ask. And, and here it's given, a, a situation is given, let them ask their husbands at home. Well, what do we understand now? There are women in the church who don't have husbands at home, they can ask. Well, now what do we do? Well, there's a church they can go to. There are, there are leaders in the church because we understand the holy scriptures to have directed leaders in the church and elders to care for and to help. And we understand also that if there's a woman who doesn't have a husband or a father to go home to, we understand then, pay attention women, we understand then the vital role of women in the church to be instructing and helping women in the church. <gasps> but today and in today's day and age, women don't want to do that. Culture has begun to influence how we understand God's word. And now you have wholesale denominations where women are doing what God's word does not authorize them to do while abdicating in a wholesale fashion what God's word does call them to do. I have said it before and I'll say it again. We desperately need women doing what God's word tells women to do. Desperately. 
Like there are men in this church who are working really hard to make sure that men in this church grow up in a godly way. And if there's no women in the church helping women in the church grow up in a godly way, then our Christian young men are going to grow up to nothing of Christian young women. So your role becomes vitally essential in the church. I don't think I have anything to contribute. Are you a saved believer in the Lord Jesus Christ through faith in him alone and by him alone? Then you have something to contribute to the church. God uses his people. So it's not so much that women must be silent in the church. Now we approach the critical mass point of God's word where, where do women speak in the church? In 1, Timothy, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 35, Paul says, if women desire to learn, if there's anything they desire to learn, would you keep your finger in 1 Corinthians 14? Would you find 1 Timothy chapter 2? I, I'm doing this because I want you to see it in the text. I never want you to simply take my word for it. I want you to see what God's word says. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, let women keep quiet. If there's anything to desire to learn, let them ask their husbands. 1 Timothy also says the women are to remain quiet. We're considering text now around specific text. 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Starting in verse 2, he's just talking about Christians' conduct. Pray for the leaders appointed over you. Pray for them that you may live peaceable lives. This is the will of God. Man, it's beautiful. I desire that men everywhere would place, that men in every place would lift holy hands and pray without anger or quarreling. Likewise, women dress in this way. Be modest in your appearance and your apparel. Verse 11. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. Verse 12, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. Now we have two texts that tell women to be quiet, and we have two texts that tell women to be quiet in the context of learning within the church. Now we have a text that says, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. They may want to raise their hands saying, I've seen this verse go sideways in plenty of churches in my life. You don't have to. I'll raise it for you. We don't allow women to permit any, women are not permitted to exercise any authority over man. Oh, who runs the meals ministry in your church? Sister so-and-so. Hmm. You got men that provide meals sometimes? Yep. Hmm. Sister so-and-so exercising authority over that man when she directs the meals ministry? So now we have to define authority, don't we? I do not permit, I do not permit women, and the word of God does it for us. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Why? Why would Paul say that? Because the instruction of God's people within the gathering of the church of the living God, God has authorized man to give instruction to the church. When the church gathers, as is going to go on to say in chapter 3 of 1 Timothy, that elders who are men and not women, that elders must be able to teach, Titus verifies the same thing, men, able to teach, give instruction in sound doctrine, rebuke those who contradict it. Men are those to whom God has given the specific 
responsibility of teaching and leading the gathered church. Do you know where men don't teach? The gathering of young women. Do you know where men don't teach? And, and should, so for any man that thinks you're about to get escape, I'm actually thankful that we have men who do teach. In most churches, men don't teach children. And that's sad. Because though we see the ministry of women teaching children specifically, we do not see the ministry of men teaching children crossed out. Men and women are both given the ministry of teaching children. We need to understand something. In the letters that are written before us, Timothy and Corinthians, let a woman learn with all submissiveness. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask at home. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over man. So what is exercise authority? That is a person in this position bringing the word of God to bear upon the hearer. Exercise authority over. Now, does that mean that you can never operate in brother the scripture says? Oh, no, no, no. Because let me tell you, boy, have I been rebuked by many a good sister. You know why? Because that's outside of the gathered church where God's word doesn't direct. If I say, and she's not in here right now. I wish she was because we could smile at one another. I love my wife. If I say that my wife can't speak outside of the church, I have imposed a rule that God's word doesn't. I've gone above the scriptural line at that point. I'm adding legalism to it. I've been rebuked by many a good sister, and I should be, because we are all of us Christians, and we are all of us fallen, and we are all of us needing to be reformed and conformed to God's word according to the image of his son. If a woman desires to learn culturally at this time, and we don't understand it, but it still happens in this world today. Culturally at this time, for a woman to speak in this setting would have brought nothing but shame on her husband, on her father, or if unmarried, on the church as a whole. And if you've never stepped foot into an honor-shame society, you cannot understand what these words mean. All of us in America, we cringe at the thought of the way that the Arabic people treat their women. Do you know who doesn't cringe at that? Mostly on the broad spectrum, Arabic women. Do you know why? Because they've been raised in a culture where they understand how they are operating and why. Do you know why we have a problem with it? Because we have grown into a culture that has no rules as far as anything is concerned. Y'all just do what you want. Two polarizing concepts looking at one another now. And when we consider Middle Eastern culture that we have a strong problem with in our American culture, we would do better to look at it when we read these verses. In the Arabic culture, among Christians, this still happens. In Haiti, women sit in the back of the room, not in the front. They're not allowed to, do you understand? There are cultures that have this. I want everyone to look around the room at how intermingled men and women are in this room. Take a look around really quick right now. Look around. Men and women sit next to one another everywhere. Praise God. You know why? Because we are a culture that is not bound by that. I want to make these two points. I think they're extremely important. Part of God's design for order in the church is found in following Christian practice through the ages. 
There are things we do when we gather together that we do because Christians for thousands of years have been doing them in order to worship God. Simply things that we do. We sing, we read, we pray. Things that we do, we observe the Lord's Supper and baptism, those are commanded. Things that we do that throughout the ages Christians have done, and this is part of God's design for the church, that we would be a one people emulating one style of worship because God directs that worship. But in the freedom of God's design for order in the church, there is found that we are not bound culture to culture by practice. There are things that we do not do that other cultures will because we are not bound to their culture. Well, there are certain things we're bound to. A woman is not going to stand up here and preach from God's word to a mixed congregation of men and women. That is a violation of God's word. That is not man saying women can't do this. That is God saying men must do this. Part of God's design for order in the church is found in Christians following practice of Christians throughout the ages. But the freedom of God's design for order in the church is found in not being bound to cultural practices from culture to culture. Well, then why don't we have women? I mean, there are women preachers. If we're not bound culture to culture, we treat women differently in our culture. We respect women better than they do. That's what we're really saying. Gross. We respect women better than them. Women have a voice here. Right? Like, first of all, we're one of the only nations in the world that has had a major feminine movement. It it exists in the world, but we're one of the leaders in that. And women, I can't understand the struggle it must be to live in our culture with that. When we are here following God's word that is contrary to it. We're not bound culture to culture. Well, then you're right, Pastor. We're not bound culture to culture. So then why isn't a woman going to be a preacher? Because God says so. And furthermore, why aren't women doing what the Bible says they're to do? Why do you want, you know why? Because it's wrapped up in the curse. And we never want to talk about this. We don't like original sin. We don't like to think that we're guilty of it. We, don't like, we just like to think that we're victims of it. Well, I can't do that because he sinned. No, you can't do that because we are sinners. But what's wrapped up in the curse? God said to the woman these words, your desire will be for your husband. Well, those are good words. I, I, I mean, pastor, um, I want my wife to desire me. Right, it's qualified by the next statement. But he will rule over you. Do you understand the tension that we feel in our culture is a literal demonstration of a product of the fall of man in the garden? Scripture's line here, I want to try and bring us back. Hopefully we haven't gone too far in our search. Scripture's line regarding the teaching of the gathered churches is from God to man, not to woman. Women are not to teach or exercise authority over man in the church. Back in 1 Corinthians, I draw this out at the beginning. This is so important. As in all the churches of the saints. He says it again in verse 34. In the churches. He says it again at the end of verse 35. In church. Do you understand the context of women being silent happens in this gathering right here? But silent, silent, or just not the teaching silent? Teaching silent. Do you understand you're not going to teach here? But what have we gone so far away from? Why don't women read scripture? Why, don't, why, don't, why doesn't a woman stand up here and do the call to worship and read scripture? 
The Bible doesn't say that she shouldn't. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says women praying and prophesying should do that in a correct way. But sisters, we gather on Wednesday night and I don't hear you praying. Your voice isn't silenced by God, it's silenced by you and or our culture. You understand the great struggle that I've had. I want women to read scripture when we open our church service. But do you understand the great damage that culture has done? I have to teach through what is acceptable and what is not because we don't understand. Can a woman read scripture? Is she exercising authority over man? Is it forbidden here that a woman reads scripture? No, it's forbidden that a woman would teach. Is there teaching wrapped up in the exhortation and reading of scripture? Prove that to me. If you have a problem with it, I'm saying this sincerely. As your pastor, if you feel that the Bible says a woman can't stand in the gathered church and read scripture, come with your strong reasons. They better be really good. The Bible does not do this. Man does this. Women can't do this, women can't do that. There are churches who take issue and have said they take issue with women up here singing. Are you kidding me? Show me. Show me where the Bible, show me where God's word has silenced our sisters in Christ has never happened except in regards to the teaching and exercising of authority of God's word over man. And boy, do I pray that we're being liberated this morning from a cultural abomination through biblical negligence. What do we do then? What do, what, what do we do? Women should sing in the church. They do. Praise God. Thank you for those that do. Women should pray in the church. And not just because it's a public moment in the gathered church. Sisters, on Wednesday night when we gather in prayer and your voice is silent, you are robbing men and you are robbing God of worship. You're not all silent all the time, but many of you are. When you sit silenced in prayer and there is a prayer on your heart and you don't pray it, you are robbing me. You are robbing God of worship because our prayer is not just, oh Lord, that you would. Our prayer is worship. And when you sit silenced, when the voice of woman is silenced in the church, we have told God that the fearfully and wonderfully created creation that he made is inferior and should be quiet. And he's never done that. When should women be silent? They should not teach or exercise authority over the gathered church through the teaching and exhortation of God's word to the standard of righteousness that God has set. But they can read scripture and they can pray and they can sing and they can admonish. Furthermore, well, pastor, I just don't know. It's probably not right for me to ever say anything, is it? When Apollos came to Corinth and couldn't speak well the word of God, he's very eloquent and understood the scripture, the Bible tells us. But it says that for some reason in his presentation of what he was sharing, he, he was missing something. Like something wasn't connected. You know what the Bible says? The Bible tells us of a husband and wife team, and it mentions the wife first, Priscilla and Aquila. You know what the Bible says they did? They took Apollos. The Bible says they took him aside, and they explained the way of God more accurately. Sisters, you have license to say, um, Pastor, I, I heard this. I want to challenge you. I want to ask you. You have ability to do that. And in our culture, you have perhaps more freedom than we should allow. 
What is right and good order? I want to be careful here not to impose myself and go above or below the line of Scripture. I think that if you're a married woman, the first stop for you is your husband if he is a believer to whom you can entrust your question to. If you're not married or if you are married to an unbelieving man, then I think that your question should first go to a woman in the church whom you can trust with your question. And then perhaps, and I've had this happen before, where a couple of women will count, Pastor, we would like to come and speak with you. I have a sister who is, she's not married, her husband's not a believer, and she has some questions. I would like to come along with you that she may ask them. Like, I think there is still proper old-fashioned word, decorum, to be followed in how we are asking questions. Because I've also been on the side of women who have way too loud of a voice, who are out of line with their husbands at home, who are not first going to the believing husband at home. They're simply following the cultural norms. No, no, no. We're still a peculiar people. We still look weird. We still do strange things. This is why the world doesn't understand when I say, let me check with my wife first. This is why we're supposed to look different. Man, I pray we're being set free and don't ever. I pray we never get bound up There are churches that are bound up in this. Pastor, I'm a woman who feels called to teach. What's my outlet? Well, children, alongside of man, I think you should be involved in teaching children. The Bible's very clear that women should be involved in teaching children. Specifically, you know where the Bible speaks to women teaching? Women. It's not just a cultural practice that women teach women. The Bible says, let the older women, we can work a long time on defining older, older in the faith, older in years, older in I don't know, but let those who are more mature in one way help those who are less mature in another way. Specifically, Titus chapter 2 specifically says, women, you are to be teaching women. If you're not teaching women and you want to teach men, return to the Lord. Return to God's word. Sisters, we need you. We need you teaching where God has authorized you to teach. We need to hear you read God's word. We need to hear you sing God's praise. We need to hear you cry out in prayer. Sisters, you are valued in the church. I pray that is a reality in the village church. If it stands against every other church in the world, I pray that we are convicted that it is on God's word and in God's word alone that we stand. And if there is something that we have to amend, I pray that we do according to God's word. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, oh Lord, forgive us. Forgive me, for I'm afraid that I have done this. I'm afraid that I have imposed my own view at times. Father, guard us from imposing our own view even now. I pray, God, that if in anything that we have understood or learned this morning from your word, I pray that if it is wrong, that you will bring us, I pray gently under the correction of your word. I pray, God, that we will look like a peculiar people in the world. I pray, God, that we would also look like a peculiar people to the institution of the church who has turned to the right and to the left of your word. I pray, Father, that men and women alike would be valued for their appropriate and proper place within the gathered church. God, I pray that our ministry would be full spectrum according to your word, God. You've made it so clear. We're, we're going to do it imperfectly, I know. We're awaiting the day of perfection, but Father, help us to try and to follow your word in our church to the best of our ability. Father, I pray for our sisters in Christ this morning. God, I pray for our sisters in Christ who face the difficulty of living in a culture, who tells them and advocates for them to live in a way so contrary to you. 
indeed, men and women both face this, but God, in this moment, I just lift our sisters to you. Help them, God, to see and to find the beauty of how you have made them and what you have made them for. Help them, God, to stand out like bright stars, living their life for you in this crooked world. Father, help us as a church to be an example to churches around us. Help us to learn from churches that are doing it well. Father, most of all, help us to follow your word. Help us to repent when we stray. Bring us back gently into conformity with your word, but God, help us to honor and glorify you above all things, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. If you have any questions about anything you just heard or if we can pray for you, please contact us at info at Until next time, stay in God's word.